Chronicles. You're with Julian on the Brown Note and a review of Babylon. And I do thank Damien Chazelle, the director, for making this film. Um, I'd rather review something like this than any number of mid-tier movies. So um, Damien Chazelle, Chazelle is really... Um, I can't get a line on him so far. So his major films... Uh, Whiplash is one of my films of the decade. Um, absolute masterpiece. Followed by... La La Land, which was my number one worst film of the whole decade, which I do base a lot on um, a film that I've really disliked getting massive acclaim and virtually winning everything at the Oscars as well as being universally acclaimed when I detested everything about it. Um, and then he followed that up with, I thought, the criminally underrated First Man, which I thought was an amazing film. I guess certainly gave that and Whiplash nines. Um, so it's a bit of to and fro. So um, Babylon, wow. Uh, so this three-hour, ten-minute film, my friend wanted to go and see it in the cinema, and we both just got scared because I'm reading the reviews of it, which weren't crash hot, and thinking about sitting in that chair if the film was bad for three hours. I've watched, I watched back-to-back in the cinema, and I wouldn't change it. I uh, watched Once Upon a Time in, America, in uh, Hollywood, and the Irishman, the Irishman was like three hours, 35 minutes. In the Cremorne Orpheum, which is this beautiful art deco cinema in the daytime with my brother and there, like no one else in there. And you can go and get glasses of wine and just watch movies. So it's, I can't sit down for much more than two hours in a cinema without it starting to become a problem, where I start getting to the point where I'm, like, getting antsy. Watching very long movies at home is one thing, but three hours and ten in the cinema. So, anyway, this is, um, you know, good grounding. It's about the transition from silent movies to talking pictures, based around the paradigm of a number of the actors involved at the time, so we get Margot Robbie, who is, you know, an up-and-coming starlet. Um, we get Diego Calva as uh, someone that feeds into the Hollywood system, becomes sort of like a producer by the end. And we get Brad Pitt as somebody that is a highly established silent movie star who fumbles. So a lot of the silent stars couldn't transition very well to the talkies their you know their diction their voices and so on and so forth didn't carry over so there was always this thing about how these great silent movie stars disappeared uh, uh when the talkies came in and the whole paradigm as we learn on a technical level i wish they'd pushed that a bit more in this film about how the whole process of acting changed about how it all became about recording that audio and people started doing multiple takes just to get the sound right and it had a really negative impact on the process of movie making it's been um, a very controversial film because of the amount of explicitness in it and uh it's got royally trashed <laughs> by critics i think it's up for a production design oscar which is um fair enough now the story itself, there isn't really that much of a story. We get uh, Margot Robbie and Diego Calva's characters become friends at the start. They're both nobodies trying to climb the Hollywood ladder. She becomes a superstar with very bad uh, drug addiction, gambling problems, causes chaos everywhere she goes. 
He's uh, in love with her, apparently, though that doesn't really transpire to anything. Uh, and our much more sort of benign presence, and Brad Pitt is shown as this um, once top-tier actor coming to terms with the fact that his uh, time has passed. And that's... It's reasonably it. It, it wants to sort of go down the Hollywood Babylon road of... Um, peering into the debauchery and excess of that silent era and the idea that Hollywood became a lot more sanitised, all of which is great stuff. Um, we begin in this Bacchanalian revelry where Margot Robbie turns up at this party uh, and there's a girl, young girl that's died from a drug overdose who's starring in a film and they basically try and get her out of there and pretend that she died somewhere else. But Margot Robbie's there to take over and become this new starlet. Um, that opening party scene is, I thought, like, I went into this expecting to get some, you know, searing in art house film that was full of flaws but something that i love one of my favorite films of the last decade was cloud atlas if you show a lot of ambition in a film and you make loads of flaws i still rate you above that mid-tier seven out of ten film every day of the week but i didn't get that i got something as superficial lame and obvious as the great gatsby baz Luhrmann's great gatsby and in particular the first half of the great gatsby which was horrible so you get this camera that just swirls from one group of people to another and each time the camera lights on them they all start dancing and it's like it's, like, it's so pat and trite um there's some explicit stuff in that opening sort of half hour of the party uh which has pushed people to you know the limits um if you watch racy movies like i often do it's not really going to challenge you that much to be honest um, that's the most fun you're going to have in this film. That's probably the most enjoyable part of this entire film. Um, where it's really, really bad is writing. Uh, I didn't like the writing in La La Land. I thought the nuanced and brilliant dynamic writing of Whiplash and the far more nuanced writing of First Man was excellent. And yet it's just the same guy that wrote La La Land and Babylon. It make, He makes no sense to me. This film is bad in completely different ways to La La Land. Just the same as First Man was brilliant in completely different ways to Whiplash. I don't know how. He's obviously hugely talented. Um, and so's his mate, Justin Hurwitz. One thing it should have got an Oscar nomination for is one of the best soundtracks of recent years. It has got this, like, I don't know if I'm making up a genre, industrial jazz, it's got this really like percussive like industrial sounding soundtrack which is mainly like jazz from the 1920s but made by like nine inch nails on trent Reznor's angry day uh which is awesome absolutely awesome unfortunately it is realistically the only thing that is the uh cinematography and everything in films like this, people always rave about them, but it, it, it's it's okay. It's nothing to write home about. Sometimes you get amazing imagery, sometimes you don't. It really, really wants to, towards the end, push itself into the realm of Day of the Locust and Barton Fink. Those two films about Hollywood of a bygone era, 
push into these really almost demonic apocalyptic finales uh, and this tries the same all that I was thinking is how much better those films were like by probably seven points out of ten better um, it's nowhere near the biggest problem is the writing it is so trite and so pat in the way that uh, the characters aren't written Margot Robbie has done this exact role she did it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a starlet arriving in Hollywood that character was nominated for an Oscar we fell in love with her portrayal of Sharon Tate in this film and in Quentin Tarantino's film <coughs> she goes to watch her own movie at the cinema the, the golf in class and emotion that you feel watching those two events you're really with margot robbie in uh, once upon a time in hollywood because she you you are completely swept up by her charm her warmth her humanity here it's like they wrote a character which was you know you do that harlequin voice can you just do that for three hours her character is no further away from that opening five minutes by the end of the film they don't give her any character. In fact, I would say that she's getting the blame for being in all these four bomb movies in a row. Um, I'm not buying that that's her fault in any way. Um, I actually liked the Amsterdam movie. Um, she wasn't that amazing in it, but she was fine in it. Here, I didn't like really any of the performances. And that comes down to writing. Like the Batman movie, a lot of great actors in that film. Not the worst performances I've seen by all of them because the writing's so bad. Um, I thought the uh, other co-star, Diego Calva, as well, was just so bland. Again, I didn't know anything about him by the end of the movie that I didn't know at the start. Um, the only one to really escape, there's a, a, a Southern Asian actress, uh, Lee Jun Lee, who's got a really interesting character, and I thought that she, she came across well. But the only one to really escape this is Brad Pitt. And whether that's because he's got more miles on the clock, but I really felt like he was a, a living, breathing character. Uh, and I actually sort of followed his arc. There was no arc with Margot Robbie's character, really. She was the same at the party as she was by the end. But um, I thought Brad Pitt's character was poignant uh, a little bit. But I was shocked by how much worse this movie was than I expected. I was expecting, as I said, Nighthouse film with a lot of flaws. Instead, what I got was the worst of Baz Luhrmann's most superficial Great Gatsby filmmaking with nothing to say on any level about anything. No characters created that were memorable. In, I got to the two-hour part and I still had an hour and ten to go. That was a very long period of time. It, it had reached a plateau of nothing that interesting happen, happening and repetition started to creep in. And um, we go, it tries its hand at the apocalyptic day of the locust, Spartan Fink sort of ending. And that was some of the more interesting filmmaking. But I've never really rated Tobey Maguire as an actor. I still don't really rate Tobey Maguire as an actor. I thought he came across like some faux version of the Joker or something, like a Jared Leto cameo here. Um, and they go into this sort of underground world of fight clubs and so on. And it was amongst the more interesting half hours in the film, but it was still a little bit like borrowed from everywhere else. And it didn't really, you know, it's um, you see someone eat a rat, a live rat, and 
you're supposed to sort of imagine this underground society where the worst excesses of humanity live and so I watched this film so you don't have to. I wish I could say that you'll get something out of it, but you're going to get an hour and a half into this film and you're just going to start watching that clock really hard. It is terrible. It is awful. Um, I think we have an early contender for my worst film of the year. I was so expecting a different film here. And I don't get the director and writer Damien Chazelle. How he can do such good work and such bad work, yet in completely different ways every time. So I hope he continues making films this crazy. But this is a royal car crash of a film, bad choice of words. Uh, it's the kind of film that could take a director down. I don't think it will with him because he's so young and talented, he's bound to bounce back with another project. But it's an expensive misfire for him. Um, but he is so awful everything about it virtually apart from the soundtrack is really crap so Babylon uh, is torture uh, and I'm going to give it a shockingly low one and a half out of ten there wasn't much here